Good afternoon, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson, welcoming you to the August 12th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show is brought to you by my favorite airport, the Augusta Regional, and my own consulting firm, Janice Allen Jackson & Associates. Today, as you would imagine, my topic will be the elections that took place on August 11th. Uh, those are the runoffs that will decide or have decided who will represent Augusta in districts 1, 3, and 9. As I thought about this, I went back to my days in graduate school and I thought about a course that I took in political analysis. My graduate degree is in public policy, so we mostly learned how to analyze options and make sound policy recommendations about issues that would affect local, state, and federal governments. But we were required to take one course where we had to learn how to figure out what happened, why it happened, and by reviewing all of the information available to us to arrive at those conclusions. While I don't consider myself a political animal, I really enjoyed that course because it forced you to look at all of the information in front of you, um, look at the nuances as, as well as the numbers, and to figure out just sort of what happened. So that's what today's show will be about. I'll be scrutinizing the runoff election results and offering my thoughts about why things turned out the way that they did. While I am, as I said, not necessarily a political animal, I came to enjoy arriving at conclusions based upon the results and the facts that we were faced with. Before I get started in discussing the elections, I do want to tell you uh, where you can find election results. As I was looking myself to figure out who was winning, I thought to myself, I could check the TV station. Sometimes on the bottom of the screen, it will tell you uh, what the results are. Or I could go to the website of one of the local media outlets. Or I could go directly to the horse's mouth, which is to say AugustaGA.gov, the city's website. Right there on the homepage, it tells you what the status of the election is. You can look at uh, what precincts have been report have reported already. You can see uh, how many advanced votes there were for each candidate. You can look at it by precinct. You can look at the uh, mail-in vote tallies. It gives you very thorough information to give you a feel for how many people voted and how they voted, both during the advance period as well as on the actual election day, which of course was uh, August 11th. So having been armed with that information, I just decided to go through and take a look. I also uh, read through a few media articles, thought about some things I had seen on Facebook. And um, what I have today uh, for you is my uh, results or my analysis after having taken in all of that information. Uh, first, I want to congratulate our winners in District 1. Jordan Johnson won in a very strong showing, uh, got 61.8% of the vote, while Michael Thurman came in with 38.18% of the vote. This was a turnaround from the 
primary. Uh, in that instance, Mr. Thurman actually was the leading vote getter. So Jordan actually had what I would consider a come from behind win in a big way. Next in District 3, uh, Catherine Smith also came from behind, Catherine Smith McKnight. Uh, she wound up with 51.5% of the vote in a very, very close race. Uh, the margin of difference between Ms. McKnight and Mr. Mooney was only 115 votes. Uh, if I have my facts right, too, that could mean that this will result in a recount. Uh, a recount can uh, be called for if the margin of difference is less than one half of one percent. Uh, in this case, one half of one percent of all votes cast would be 185 votes and the margin of difference is only 115. Uh, also, I would suspect that all of the provisional ballots, uh, absentee ballots and so forth may not yet have been counted. Uh, so that number could change. But that was an extremely close race. Finally, uh, Commission District 9, uh, the winner, Ms. Francine Scott, we certainly congratulate her, uh, getting a total of 53.3% of the vote uh, with a margin of victory of 509 votes. Having thought through that information, I arrived at a number of conclusions and observations, and let me share those with you. Uh, first, each one of the leading vote getters in the primary actually lost in the runoff. Some of this is probably attributable to the fact that their supporters assumed that they had it in the bag and they didn't decide to go back out to vote a second time. I think this is particularly true of the Super District 9 race. Next conclusion is that all three of the self-employed business owners lost. Uh, who knows what the dynamic is behind that, uh, but um, sometimes you'll see people tout the fact, hey, I'm a business owner, I know how to uh, run my own business, uh, I know how to make tough decisions because I have to because I'm the only one there to do it. Um, those candidates, I think in this case, all three, uh, being Corey Johnson, Sean Mooney, and uh, Michael Thurman all expressed some variety of that, some variation of that theme in their comments in the various debates and candidate forums. In particular, I know I heard that from Mr. Thurman, uh, but that was not a formula for success in this particular election. Uh, next, in each district, the turnout was half or less than half of what it was in the primary. Uh, for instance, uh, in district, Super District 9, in the primary, there was a 31% voter turnout. In the runoff, it was only 11.8%. So the turnout uh, in the runoff was just a little bit more than a third of what the turnout was in the primary. Uh, if you look at District 3, the turnout in the primary was almost 40%. And then in the runoff, it was 18.5%. Uh, in District 1, similarly, turnout in the primary was 28.3%, and that dropped by more than half down to 14% uh, in the runoff election. So um, that really uh, speaks to 
um, how difficult it is to get people to come back out to vote a second time. Uh, folks lose interest or they assume their candidate has it or they somehow miss the fact that there is an election taking place and you wind up with a much smaller turnout the second go round. Uh, next thing, which is very notable for us, is that the two female candidates won, which will mean that there will be two women on the Augusta Commission for the first time since 2004-2005 when Barbara Sims and Betty Beard served together. Uh, Catherine will be the third woman to serve District 3. Uh, Ms. Sims served there for two years before she moved off to the state legislature. And then Mary Davis served uh, two complete terms or eight total years as the representative for District 3. Notably, Ms. Scott will be the first woman to serve in a super district seat um, because Super District 9 has never been represented by a woman, neither has Super District 10. Also of note is that issues that arose late in the process probably influenced the results, particularly in districts three and nine. Uh, there were stories of controversial endorsements or endorsements by people who uh, typically would not endorse anybody. Um, there were questions over residency of one of the candidates. And there was this big billboard from an unidentified small business owners group that appeared to have hurt Mooney, Thurman, and Cora Johnson, who were the self-employed business owners that I referenced earlier. Uh, next, uh, one of the things that I picked up from my uh, social media pages is that voters saw the victories here as an anti-establishment effort which is to say they did not vote for the candidates that they consider to be Augusta's establishment, um, th those candidates that the establishment had endorsed. Uh, going back to the billboard, it was Mooney, it was Thurman, it was Cora Johnson. Uh, they were perceived as those who were being promoted by the establishment based upon uh, some of the endorsements that they had picked up. And the voters saw themselves as telling the quote-unquote establishment in Augusta that you're not going to tell us what to do. You're not going to control our vote. Um, next, um, the two candidates who raised less money, being Catherine Smith McKnight and Jordan Johnson, won anyway. Uh, Sean Mooney had outraised Miss McKnight by $7,000. Uh, Michael Thurman outraised Jordan Johnson by $5,000. Uh, and despite that, both McKnight and Jordan Johnson were able to pull through with victories. Uh, based upon earlier reports, uh, Francine Scott probably outraised Corey Johnson by $20,000 or more. But we can't say for sure because, because uh, Corey Johnson had not filed a most recent report, or at least that's true according to the Augusta Chronicle. Um, as I think back over this election season and all the conversations that I've had, um, there were a few conversations where people suggested to me that Catherine Smith McKnight could not win. And when they would say that to me, I had one sentence, and that was, Grady Smith had a lot of friends. 
It is notable that many of the same people who endorsed her opponent this time around never supported her father during the two times that he ran for office when he represented Super District 10. Um, as I thought about her candidacy, one factor indeed was the fact that uh, her dad had a lot of support, had been in the community all of his life. Uh, I knew that some of those people would in turn support Catherine just based upon their loyalty to her father. And of course, also based upon the message that she espoused, which was very similar to her dad's. Um, but I also saw that she was receiving strong support from the African-American population within District 3. So given that support from the African-American community in that district, as well as uh, the popularity of her, her family, um, it was easy to see that she had a path to victory in this election. Uh, it was very close, as we just discussed, and the closeness of it does not surprise me at all, um, but neither does her victory. Also, just like I was mostly right about District 3, I was entirely wrong about District 9. Uh, during the primary, I was actually expecting Miss Scott to come out as the leading vote getter. Uh, I saw that she had a well-funded campaign. I saw what appeared to be a very well-organized campaign. I saw her and her team members working really hard. Uh, they were driving through neighborhoods. They were making robocalls. Uh, they were getting out to the various events. Um, so I saw her and her team working really hard. I knew she had a lot of uh, endorsements from leaders in our community, particularly in the religious community, as well as some neighborhood leaders. So I was really expecting her to be the leading vote getter in the primary. And I was frankly shocked when Mr. Johnson came out with almost 48 percent of the vote uh, after the primaries were done. Uh, then given the fact that he had such a strong showing in the primary, I would assume that that would have carried over into the runoff. And here I here it is. I was surprised again uh, from the standpoint that it looks like everyone who supported uh, their opponents, the other three opponents, because remember there were five folks in that race, it looks like almost all of them came out and supported Miss Scott as opposed to Mr. Johnson. Uh, in fact, uh, her percentage of the votes went from 29% in the primary to 53% in the runoff. Uh, that is almost unheard of to pick up that many votes, uh, but she was able to pull it off again because she ran a very well-organized campaign. Um, I think that, again, some of Mr. Johnson's supporters probably didn't return to the polls because his margin of victory was so strong the first time. They just figured he would automatically win again. 
Um, I also learned during this election that there was a strong anti-Cora Johnson sentiment and Miss Scott and her team members capitalized on that. Uh, they didn't seem to build many enemies in, in their, this campaign and they just kept working on it. They kept working and kept working hard. Uh, and more so than anything else, I believe this race proves that there is nothing guaranteed in electoral politics. Of course, I'm a resident of District 1, uh, and in that particular district, I am not so much surprised by who did win as I am by the margin of victory. I expected Jordan Johnson to win, but thought that the margin would be much smaller than 523 votes. Uh, when you go back to the numbers in the primary, uh, there were only 20 votes separating Mr. Thurman and Mr. Johnson, with Mr. Thurman actually having the lead. Uh, we know in that race there were five total candidates, so there were a lot of other votes out there uh, to get, and it appears that Jordan Johnson got all of them. Uh, Jordan was able to turn what was a tight race, an extremely tight race, in the primary into a rout, I think largely because the message that he espoused is very much consistent with the people that he was seeking to represent. So when people heard uh, Jordan speak, uh, they heard someone speaking the same language that they did. He discussed the issues that they were concerned about uh, when he talked about blight, abandoned buildings, infrastructure, storm drainage. Uh, those are the types of issues that people in District 1 have been discussing for decades, frankly. So they saw in uh, Mr. Jo Mr. Johnson, somebody who would come in, uh, tap into their concerns, and would really work earnestly toward addressing those concerns. Uh, both of these candidates, I must say, were extremely accessible. I think they uh, participated in just about anything they were asked to do. Uh, they were always right there on the spot. So the difference was messaging, and that is where uh, Jordan Johnson found himself being extremely uh, successful in separating himself from uh, Michael Thurman. Um, now, having said all that, two more points to make. Uh, as I watch this campaign, I can truly say that those candidates gave 100 uh, percent. It was obvious that they were all playing to win. Uh, it's one of those things when you uh, first you, you run for office because you feel like you can and you want to make a difference for the community. You think there are things that you can do to better the community. But it also comes out that sometimes your ego is just involved and you're like, I'm in this to win it. Uh, I'm in this because I don't want to be defeated. I don't want to let my supporters down. Uh, I'm in this because I truly believe that I am the best candidate. And I saw that shine through with all of these candidates in the various uh, campaign forums and things that they participated in. Uh, as you would see them uh, working out in the neighborhoods at, at events, and we know that the number of events that they attended were limited because of our uh, pandemic that we find ourselves in. But uh, these candidates really worked hard, blood, sweat, tears. I mean, they laid it all out on the line. So I congratulate them for uh, the good showing and the hard work uh, that they were able to bring about. 
Uh, also, on the negative side, I saw a ton of venom, and the venom was not so much coming from the candidates themselves as it was coming from their supporters. Um, there were times, particularly now in the age of social media, where everybody gets a chance to say whatever they want to say uh, without uh, having to justify or support the comments. They can just spout things off. Uh, there was a lot of uh, negative comments, uh, a lot of strong sentiment against particular folks, a lot of mudslinging attacks, those sorts of things. And again, it was mostly among uh, the supporters of the candidates as opposed to the candidates themselves. Uh, but that says something about where we are in the community. And I am hopeful that our community will be able to heal from this. Um, there are uh, times where you'll just have to think that even though that was not my person, I did not support that individual for office, uh, we're still working in the same community. We still uh, should have uh, at the similar goals. We should be able to express those goals to the candidates that maybe we didn't support. If your true interest is in advancing Augusta, uh, you should not have a problem with working with whoever it is that won that majority vote and saying, hey, these are the things that are important to me. Uh, this is the agenda that I hope that you will work toward uh, because we need to see advancement from Augusta. So hopefully there will be some uh, path paved to the healing process uh, so that uh, we can see uh, progress for all of us here in Augusta. It is also true in this election that uh, there was strong sentiment toward diversifying the council, um, that is to, or the commission, that is to say that uh, we've elected uh, one very young representative in Jordan Johnson. I'm not, not mistaken, he'll be the youngest person uh, serving on the commission when he gets there. Uh, we've also, as I mentioned earlier, elected uh, two women. Um, I heard lots of conversation about how it, it was finally time for us to uh, have more women representing us uh, at the Augusta Commission level. Um, having said that, it's really ironic because if you look at our uh, state legislative delegation, uh, we've got two state representatives in this community uh, who are women, uh, but somehow uh, getting more than one woman on the Augusta Commission at a time uh, seemed to be a difficult task. Uh, someone also asked me recently uh, if they had been, you know, to talk about other cities in Georgia where women have been mayors. Uh, if you look at Columbus has had a woman mayor, Savannah has had one, Albany has had one, of course Atlanta has had one, but Macon and Augusta have been behind the curve, curve in terms of uh, bringing women in to uh, lead their governments in the top elected office. So it looks like we're on our way now um, to uh, a different outlook on uh, service on the commission. Um, there's a serious interest in diversifying uh, the commission and that also came through loud and clear with these election results. So now that the election is over, 
I am sure that everybody is sitting there wondering what in the world is Janice going to talk about on local matters now that uh, this election season is done. Uh, of course, we'll be talking a little bit more about elections later on during the year. Uh, we've got a contested, uh, hotly contested DA's race, district attorney's race on the ballot in November. Uh, we may also talk a little bit to some of the uh, candidates in some of the other races. Um, so we'll see uh, what, what that brings. But uh, we're going to have to take uh, a break from elections until uh, later on during the year. And in light of the question of what will Janice be talking about, uh, let's uh, preview shows for the next couple of weeks. On next week, August 18th, I will have a guest by the name of Andre Benito Mountain. He is an educator, author, and motivational speaker. He has written three books and is principal of the Marbot Traditional Theme School in DeKalb County, Georgia. He will discuss his latest book entitled Principles Don't Walk on Water, They Walk Through It. Uh, this guest was suggested to me by a dear Sarah of mine, uh, Miss Trish Robertson. Uh, she's a regular listener on the show, and she contacted me one day and said, I think this would be a good, great guest for you. Uh, so I'm looking forward to discussing him as it turned out, discussing with him. Uh, as it turned out, I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in Albany, and uh, she was asking me about the show. And I said, yeah, I got a guest you might know. And it turned out she knows him, and she actually gives books out to people. Uh, apparently, his work is that impactful. Uh, so we are going to have him discuss his books. He's going to discuss urban education, uh, particularly in uh, the middle of a pandemic like we find ourselves right now. Uh, so please look forward to next week's show. Uh, the following week, uh, I'll have a guest from an organization called Emily's List. Emily's List exists to support women candidates for office at the local, state, and national levels. Uh, we're going to chat some about the barriers women face when they run for office. We'll talk about the importance of women's leadership in political office, and we'll talk about what work they do and what we can do to increase representation of women. Uh, I had talked to her in advance about the races here in Augusta, so uh, she'll be pleasantly surprised to know that we have two uh, female winners, uh, but, and, and, and she'll be able to, uh, to really talk to us about what women leadership add to uh, governing bodies and to organizations. So I think this will be a good show to uh, lead us into uh, what happens when our uh, two ladies get sworn in in January, um, and uh, we'll just kind of talk about the dynamics on a board when you have uh, a minority of women uh, and how those things uh, work out. So those are two great shows. I am looking forward to uh, you being with us for those shows, and I would also uh, let you know that just as my Sarah uh, Robertson suggested a guest to me. You are free to reach out to me at any time to suggest a guest. If you go to my face, my website, JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com, I have a Contact Us page, and you're welcome to uh, email me there with any suggestions. Also welcome to uh, reach out to me via Facebook me Messenger or via Twitter.
Um, so uh, I'm easy to reach. I'd love to hear from you. And we'd love to continue to bring in the types of guests uh, that help you in your understanding of uh, local government, uh, be it policy issues or electoral issues. And yes, I do consider education a form of local government because guess what? Your tax dollars pay for it. So looking forward to uh, both of those presentations in the upcoming weeks. Uh, as always, if you miss one of our shows, you can go to SoundCloud. That is SoundCloud.com. Just type in Local Matters Podcast. You can also go to my website, JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. I have a Local Matters tab there and all of the shows. I started the show on March the 4th of this year. Every single show is uploaded uh, there. So uh, you can always go back and you can always share the shows with others who uh, may not uh, have uh, heard it the first time, but, but want to catch it. Uh, finally, um, as I sign out, uh, always giving you the same word that I do. I've committed the scripture to memory and I hope you have too. It says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to all of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday and every Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. because local matters. Thanks for joining us here on WKZK 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net.